And those are the stories that we would hear that, you know, I went on a date night with my wife for the first time in six months because I was able to step away. And, and that is for a salesperson to hear that that's the win. You know, most people think salespeople are coin operated and we certainly, we love a, a good competition, but really it's those stories that you hear that just fills your heart if you're an empathetic, servant-hearted salesperson. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step. I'm LZ, COO and CFO of Belay. Man, my co-host today, Trisha, she's out for the week, so I am holding it all down by myself for this episode. You know that Trisha and I have learned a lot throughout our careers, and this podcast is our way of sharing what we've learned with you. Those experiences have helped us grow a 100% remote business from startup to now being recognized on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list. Man, we have done some hard work around here. So for the One Next Step podcast, we want to bring you episodes filled with excellent content. We're here to help you on your leadership journey and ultimately help you enjoy your life and your work. Today, we're getting into the nitty gritty of sales, specifically how you and your team can overcome objections in the sales process. I'm sure all of you entrepreneurs and leaders out there, you care about sales. And so that's why I am super excited to bring to you Belay's very own Vice President of Revenue, Lisa Seal. Lisa knows so much about this topic, and she's going to offer a wealth of information on how to push through objections and make your sales process better than ever. I know you're going to love to hear what she has to say. So without a moment's wait, let's get started. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Elsie. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're going to have so much fun. It'll be fun. I'm excited about this. Good. Me too. Me too. So I want to open it up with a little fun icebreaker question. Okay. Uh, it's just sort of a fun way for our listeners to get to know you better. Okay. So... What country would you live in mm. if you didn't live in the United States of America? Mm. Well, that's such a big question. I feel like I have to commit. Um, <laughs> no, I, no. The first thing that came to my mind is Mexico because beach, guac, and mm. margaritas. I mean, yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we traveled there, uh, Michael, the kids, and I, a few years ago. It was actually on a cruise, and we had one mm. of those excursions, like, all day. And we found this little place called Coconuts. It was, like, on the cliff of somewhere. I don't know. It was delicious. <laughs> Best guacamole. I still have not been able to replace the guacamole I had there. I love guac fresh in Mexico. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Do you make it yourself when you're I home? I do. I do. Yeah. I am the okay. person that everybody asks for me to make the guacamole. So I think oh. I have a pretty good guac. And I did learn from a cousin who married a Bolivian. And so it was his recipe. I think that gives you credibility. I think it does. I mean, I feel like it does. Yeah. And the fact that you last for it, it's got to be a good sign, right? <laughs> okay. So I'm seeing the next uh, retreat we have. I'm going to ask for you to make guacamole. Yes, I agree. Yes. It doesn't It doesn't travel well, but I mean, I can make it while we're there. You can make it fresh. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
And, and I'm going to give a secret away. You have also taught me how to make a delicious vodka gimlet. <laughs> yes, I have. And, and now you're hooked. I'm totally hooked. <laughs> Since we talked about margaritas, if you replace the vodka with tequila, it's kind of like a skinny margarita. Oh, I need uh-huh. that in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Well, there you well go. thank you. All right. Well, I want our listeners to um, to really hear your background because you're going to give us so much great knowledge on sales today. And I know that um, whether it's an entrepreneur or it's somebody who's a leader in an organization, the one thing that has to happen is sales or you don't have a business. So we are talking about, to me, the golden nugget of importance today, sales. So can you just give us a little bit about your background um, and how you ended up at Belay? Yeah, I would love to. So my um, career has always been consultative sales. I worked mostly in the construction industry in the, on the residential side. So it was very um, direct to consumer, if you will, uh, which is incredibly con- consultative when you're talking about their home. Um, and so that was the majority of my career prior to becoming a stay-at-home mom. I had a little brief hiatus as a stay-at-home mom, was not fully fulfilled as a stay-at-home mom. So I was an entrepreneur for a short time, had a a small business, and then decided it was time to go back out into the work world um, once my kids were in school full time. Did a brief um, consultative sales position in the political industry, which was fascinating, um, but it was pulling me away from home too much. And so I sought out to find a company that was different. And I stumbled upon Belay um, and it was like a dream come true. I was able to um, really hone or use my sales skills and hone my leadership skills and truly found Belay to be a place that was easy to sell for and eventually ended up leading um, the sales department and obviously the now client relations and sales department. Yeah. VP of revenue. Yeah. Yeah. VP of revenue. <laughs> That's why I have a money tree in yeah. my office. I mean, right? I love it. <laughs> I love that. Um, so there's not a lot of people, um, or maybe that's that's too big of a, gener- a generalization. I think there are a good amount of people who are scared by sales And so they don't think of going into that. So I would love to know, why did you actually think sales was like your calling? What was it about sales that interested you and continues to get you fired up? Because you love sales. I do. And I think it's truly my philosophy about sales. So sales kind of can have a negative connotation to it. People hear salesperson and they get a little like, oh boy, you know, and the defensiveness goes up and I have always felt very strongly that sales is all about making sure that the buyer needs are being met and that it's okay Mm -hmm. if as a salesperson, we're not filling those needs to walk away. And it really, it really comes from a place of servanthood. It's a, I feel that if I have knowledge that could help somebody, it's my duty to make sure that they know that that exists. And so that, belief and that philosophy really pushed me into becoming a salesperson, especially in the residential construction industry. Um, I have a design background. And so for me, being able to design something and then sell them my company and why I would be the right person for them to choose or the company that I represented to choose, I realized it really felt a need and there was a care there. Um, 
-hmm. I don't think I knew that going in that I would be different than a lot of salespeople, especially in that industry. Um, and as a young woman in a very male dominated field, but it did, it, it filled that need um, that was missing on the consumer side. Um, and so I, it, it really made me realize that my philosophy, there was something there to it. There was something different and it, it was powerful. Yeah. So scare, So sales maybe isn't as scary when it's a product or a service that you believe in right? and that you know is helping other people. And I think sometimes that gets missed. Absolutely. I, I have been known to say that, you know, people think it's a compliment to hear you could sell ice to an Eskimo. To me, that is the most incredible insult uh, because an, a, right. an Eskimo doesn't need ice. And so why would you sell them? ice, you should probably sell them some mittens. You know, I mean, that is yeah. really, truly my <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. And if, if you do have somebody that, and we've all experienced it, a salesperson that is is not listening to the need or the pain points and just pushing anyway, that's when you lose mm -hmm. people. And that's what gives the, the um, career uh, a negative vibe around it, I guess. Yeah. So what does a healthy sales process look like? So say you are in love with that product or service. This is your calling. You really think that you can do a phenomenal job. I'm sure that there is a process which is healthy versus mm -hmm. one that, that's not. So what does that look like? Yeah, I would say it starts with discovery from both parties. So mm -hmm. an unhealthy sales process is just, here's what I do and you should buy it versus a healthy process is tell me why you you've reached out or tell me what your pain point is um, and truly hearing it, understanding it. And the salesperson needs to determine if their solution actually fills that need and that void that the buyer has. That starts it off in a healthy place. And if you don't do that, then it's just uh, feature preaching. You're just telling them all the wonderful things that you can do and you're not listening to whether that actually matters to the buyer or not. Um, so first and yeah. foremost, that is the absolute um, most important part. You cannot skip it. You need to know that there's a need and you have a solution and that those two things align. Right. That's good. Yeah. Feature preaching. Mm -hmm. Not so good. No, no. I think everybody wants to run away from those people. Yes, absolutely. Yes. No doubt about it. Nobody wants to be preached to. Nobody... People want to be heard. They want to hear. They want to know that the person that they're um, sharing their pain points with are listening and and really determining whether they really have the solution or not. And if they don't, that's okay. It's not anyone's fault. It's just mm -hmm. recognizing that early on. If you can do that and get through a sales process where you really keep that at the um the the, the pain point at the center of the conversation. The agreement part and the signature is easy because you've determined right. together that it's a good fit. Yeah. When I just think about there's so many problems, right, or tensions in a business mm -hmm. that need solutions. And so for the person on the, the buying side to not have somebody that's willing to listen to them and help them solution it is frustrating. Yes. Right? It's like Very. a lot of time going from person to person and all they want to do is talk about themselves and they don't understand that I have a real problem. And so I think that that can be 
another hurdle to get over for somebody who is who is looking to get into sales or maybe an entrepreneur who that's not their gifting is to realize that if you listen, that you're actually helping them. If you don't do it in the right way, then you're missing a great opportunity to make a difference in their life and in their business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, it is detrimental to not, for a sale, we always say you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. It's an old sales scene. And it's true. They need to yeah. truly listen before they start preaching their features. And it's important to preach the features, but you need to make sure that they actually align with the need of the person you're speaking with. Yeah. So what if you know you're the salesperson and you know that you've got a great solution, mm-hmm. but you're kind of getting a little bit of pushback. Mm-hmm. You're getting some objections. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Um, well, I shouldn't be surprised at the objections. So the the first thing I would say is bring them out front. I mean, that's the whole reason okay. you're having this conversation is to find the pain point and find why they haven't fixed that pain point yet. What has led them mm-hmm. to you or your or your business that they they've not fixed it? And so, what's held them back? Uncovering if it's a budget, uncovering if it's a fear, uncovering if they just didn't know where to look so that you mm-hmm. then can direct the sales conversation to that actual issue. Um, it kind of right. helps you format the conversation that you're about to have with somebody. Again, it goes back to that feature preaching where you're just spewing information that may not be valuable to the person you're talking to if you haven't uncovered the objections in the first place. Right, right. Yeah, and I would assume that if if you're good at what you're doing and there's an objection that you can't overcome, it, it's not the right solution for them. Exactly. Yeah. If you can't overcome one of <laughs> I mean, their that's objections, kind of liberating, right? Then you shake hands and walk away. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like that's where a lot of young salespeople get caught up. Like, oh, they feel defeated because they weren't able to close that deal. Where really, if you've done your job well and you don't have what they need, that's not your fault. The the mm-hmm. just the product or the service doesn't serve them well. Go find somebody it does serve well. Yeah, yeah. and that is a a challenge in a salesperson's life because most salespeople are pretty driven and competitive, and when you lose mm-hmm. somebody, quote unquote, it feels like you've done something wrong. When a salesperson can mature to the point where they realize that it isn't a personal loss, that it's easy to move past it and get to the next one that might be the right client for you. Um, but I do think that yeah. there's a maturity level that that it takes a salesperson to to get to to be able to get past that and not hold things like that personally. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like empathy plays in selling? It's everything. So without empathy, you're not finding out those object- objections. You're not finding out the pain points. You're again, just telling them how you can do all these things for them, but you're not again, stopping and pausing long enough to actually listen to the person and then sharing with them that that must be really hard. And I'm sorry you're experiencing that. And, and this is how we can help you. And truly being in a place of feeling for this person because they're coming to you because they have a need or a pain point. And so it is important that the salesperson feel, not just show it, but really feel that empathy. Because if you don't feel it and you're showing it, the person on the end of the call or in that meeting is going to know. That has to be genuine.
like when it's a, a price objection. You know, I would assume there's sort of two sides of that. Number one, they just think it's too expensive or number two, when they can't afford it. Yeah, two different things. So okay. if, if the buyer thinks it's too expensive, then you haven't built value. You haven't uncovered the objections and the alternative to those objections. So if somebody gives you an objection and, and the salesperson ultimately gets to the place of, well, what if you don't fix this? What if you don't fill this gap? Oh. What then? And if there is another solution, that's okay. But if what you're offering actually is the right thing, they'll come to that conclusion on their own versus I don't have the budget for this. That's different. Right. I don't have the budget for this. It, then, then a good salesperson says, here are some, some, some solutions that are similar to ours that are on a lesser price scale that you might want to start with. And we look forward to someday being able to serve you as your business grows and being okay with that. And again, being able to move on. You've made a friend. They will respect you. Um, and I, I'll tell you, when they can afford you, they will be back. Yeah, yeah. And I would assume that there's a little bit of maybe pre-qualification that goes into some of that too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In, in what you're doing. Yeah. Is there like a framework that your team uses or like a set of processes that help you identify and maybe overcome some like objections or hurdles in the sales process? Sure. So when they identify a lead or a prospect, um, the first thing that they're doing is some healthy cyber stalking, we'll call it. So that's LinkedIn, <laughs> um, you know, looking yeah. at their business website, trying to get a feel for what they've done in their business so far. We may not know the size of the business. We may not know uh, many details about the business, but you can tell from their LinkedIn connections or their, their summary on LinkedIn to kind of get an idea of um, where they're at in their business. Mm -hmm. We're still going to talk to anyone because you just never know um, what you're actually seeing and, and how how um, clear it is and what you're finding online. But it, it does help them kind of tee up how the conversation may go. So when you're starting a conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. you're going to say, I've looked at your website, I read your story. And it again, tees, it makes one, the, the consumer feel like, oh, I matter. You, you've, you've looked right. into me, that means something to me. And two, it kind of helps you tee up, maybe it's an industry that you speak directly about or um, the role the person's in to speak directly to. So if we see somebody come through who is a CFO, we know what that conversation is probably going to be about and where the points are often um, aligned with mm -hmm. other clients that we have as CFOs. Yeah, I mean, CFOs are awesome. You should start totally. amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that sounds good for B2B. Right. Yes. It's somebody who's maybe professional and has some, you know, some social media or some credibility that you're able to look at. But because mm -hmm. of your background, I want to dive in for our listeners who might be B to C. Mm -hmm. So thinking back to your days of when you were in home construction, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like how like how could somebody, you know, prepare themselves for that conversation and maybe prepare themselves for any objections? Yeah, um, I, I honestly don't see it as much different. It's actually probably more emotional, right? So oh, yeah. unless you're talking to an entrepreneur, their business is their baby. A homeowner, their home is their baby. You know, there's an emotional right. attachment versus talking to a leader in an organization. Uh, unless they have an owner's, owner's mindset or a founder's mindset, 
they're not as emotionally as attached. So again, um, making sure that empathy is leading the conversation, even more so with that, whether it's a homeowner or the consumer in general. And I actually don't see entrepreneurs as any different than that. Okay. Okay, good. So maybe even like a pre-qualification could be, I would assume, assume there's some demographics maybe in sure. like a uh, a zip code, mm-hmm. a, a particular neighborhood. And, and so that you're not kind of walking in blindly before yeah. you, you know, start talking to them and maybe even asking questions, right? On those first sales calls. I mean, do you ever start talking about dollars and cents on the, during the first conversation? Typically not. Typically no, not. Okay. Just no. So y'all can't see it, but she immediately started shaking her head. No, <laughs> no, no. You have to no. build value first. If you leave okay. with the price, you're basically saying, can you afford me? Um, and that is not a nice way to start a conversation. Um, okay. Good. You know, and in, in its simplest terms, if you were treated that way, walking into a store in a mall, I mean, it would be so offensive. So I'm thinking it, of uh, what was the uh, the movie Pretty Woman, right? Yes. When she goes on Big Rodeo mistake. Drive. <laughs> That's right. She goes back and she's like, That's big, right. big mistake. Yeah, I That's love that. I right. love it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You have to build value first. And and you may recognize in the conversation that that their eyes are getting bigger and they realize, wow, this might be more than I thought it was going to be. And to mm-hmm. get to the price quicker, to to relieve them of that pain that they're feeling, that's okay. But to lead with it would be offensive. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I want to tap into some of your stories. Okay. okay. We don't want to name names. We don't want to, you know, drag <laughs> anybody, you know, out here. But um, do you have any fun stories that you could share with us about maybe a, a client that you had to overcome some objections and now they're like thrilled that they bought your service? Oh gosh, yes, lots. Um, and and actually, pre-pandemic, that was a lot of our sales calls because the idea of working remotely or having somebody work remotely for you was not the norm. And so we had to overcome the the work remote part of our service at Belay. That it took a long time. The emotional attachment to having somebody in your office, especially as administrative assistant, the old school, you know, desk sitting right outside of the the leader's office. Right. Um, people have to get past that emotional picture that they have in their head. And so our sales cycle was much longer because of that. And we would have people that we would talk to for months, even years that wow. love the idea, but just couldn't get themselves past that emotional hurdle and just trying mm-hmm. it. Um, and when we do have, we had those clients that come back around and sign and you'd hear back from them three months later, like, I cannot believe it took me this long. Shame on me. This wow. has been amazing. And you're right. It works now post pandemic. Obviously everybody had to work remotely for that, for a mm-hmm. hot minute there. And, and they saw that it worked and people loved it, especially when it comes to administrative support you actually don't need them in the office. We all work on a computer and quite honestly, right. most of our clients were remote anyway because they were traveling all the time, whether their assistant yeah. was sitting in the <laughs> office or not, it didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. So I would say that's the most common story, especially here at Belay, was mm-hmm. that the emotional hurdle that they needed to get past for remote work was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I just think about the opportunities that I get 
um, when we go to conferences or we happen to meet a client, right? And I mean, it, we're not the cheapest on the market. I'm yeah. going to say it right now, you know, right. and, and we don't t- we don't plan to ever be that way. We know we have a great service. And so for a lot of our small businesses, it's a big jump, right? To, to pay for, you know, this service. But when you, and so that took them a while, like you said, that three to four months when they're mm-hmm. thinking about it, do I want to, you know, really invest in this? But when you see them later on, a year later, mm-hmm. I mean, you can almost physically tell the difference of like they are so much happier mm-hmm. because they reached out on a whim and said, I might need help. And they were matched with a sales team mm-hmm. that was really empathetic, listened to them and helped find the right solution. Because just because they're calling doesn't mean if they reach out to your business, doesn't mean they know all your services or the packages right. you offer, all those things. But they have relief and whatever the reason why. It could have been extra time with family. It could have just mm-hmm. been to scale their business higher or all of those. Mm-hmm. But but they feel that. And I think as a salesperson, that has to be so gratifying. Oh, it's amazing. Um, we were at a conference um, not long ago and had a couple of clients walk up to us and say, I went on the first vacation with my family without being in my inbox for the first time in six years. And literally tears welling up in their eyes because this was life-changing for them. And part of that hurdle that we talked about wasn't just the remote part, it was everybody thinks they need full time. And because our service Mm -hmm. is fractional, they don't realize that 15 hours a week actually is life-changing and really affordable when you realize you didn't actually have to hire that full-time employee anyway. Um, so yes, yeah. we, that, those are the stories that we would hear that, you know, I went on a date night with my wife for the first time in six months because I was able to step away. And, and that is for a salesperson to hear that, that that's the win. Um, you know, mm-hmm. most people think salespeople are coin operated and we certainly, we love a, a good competition, but really it's those stories that you hear that just fills your heart. If you're, if you're an empathetic servant hearted salesperson. Yeah. And if you have a great marketing team or you're able to outsource your marketing, um, capturing those stories into white papers and case studies really do become a great tool for your sales team or for you, if you're the person selling right now, for you to be able to leverage uh, so that what you're selling to the person or the, the product, they can see real life stories of how it makes a difference in other people's lives. Exactly. It's the new testimonial, right? I think that everybody caught on that. Nobody puts a bad testimonial on their website, but a case study is different. It's somebody's story. It's their why they came Mm -hmm. to you. It's how it changed their life. And it's powerful. And we do, we have a lot of them and they're fun to share and they're fun to read too. Well, we know that we have some entrepreneurs, just like I said, who maybe they are the owner. Um, they're the chief bottle watcher. <laughs> they are also the salesperson and they don't have a team. And so they're working through the day-to-day of closing deals and making sales pitches. Mm-hmm. We like to say here on the One Next Step that we're the most practical business podcast. So we always love to leave our listeners with something that they can take away and maybe implement immediately. Perhaps they're listening to this in the car on a way to a sales call, what would you tell them? I would tell them if they're on their way to a sales call, who is in their inbox? And I would say, you probably need to belay VA first. Because <laughs> okay, um, okay. I'd be a terrible salesperson if I didn't say that, right? You're right. Um, okay, good, good, good. But, but then I would say that 
you know, they need to really stop and ask themselves if they are the right salesperson for their business. Um, mm. Are they able to grow their business internally if they're focusing on adding additional clients and, and not um, really making sure that the business is operating at its healthiest? Because if you're doing nothing but sales calls, then who's running the business? Um, and so right. really, it is a it is the first big investment any entrepreneur should be doing if they want to grow, if they really want to grow their business, is allow somebody who's a professional salesperson who's out there, you know, truly speaking about your product with an empathetic, servant-hearted mindset. Yeah, I love that. Okay, well, I actually feel like you kind of teed us up for a future episode. I'm going to say it. Maybe you'll come back. Maybe I have a, a a little bit of emotional capital there that I could pull <laughs> on to. But, but I think, too, um, I would imagine somebody right now is saying, um, how can I afford them? So maybe would you come back and actually talk about how to set up maybe a compensation Oh, I, would love to. I mean, I think you do a beautiful job here at Belay, but I think that um, our listeners would appreciate that. That seems like something if there's kind of worried about giving that away, I'm sure as a business owner, it's like, how do I afford that person? So we'd love to have you back. I would love to. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lisa. This is so good. I know it's been hugely valuable for me to hear your passion on selling. And you again, you do a phenomenal job of leading our, our revenue teams, our customer service account managers, as well as our sales team. So thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do within Belay. And thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but Lisa was phenomenal. I love talking with salespeople, sales leaders who love sales, because I don't know about you guys, but I meet a lot of entrepreneurs who are just um, a little fearful of sales, right? We all have our skill sets, our talents, and we start a business. We create an idea from it, um, but sometimes it's really hard to figure out how to get that in the market and how to sell it. And Lisa's wisdom uh, was just golden for me. So today's next step, y'all, I'm going to make it really, really simple because what I want you to do is to go back and review your sales processes. Maybe you don't even have a process. Maybe this is the encouragement for you to actually write down your process. And I want you to read through it once you have it written down and see, is your current sales process putting the pain or the need of your prospect in the forefront? Or is it all about you? Because, you know, your prospects don't want it to be all about you. They want it to be all about them. So are your current processes or the process you're going to create putting that pain and that need in the forefront? Also, I want you to ask yourself, um, are you making a process or is your current process, you know, respecting your prospects? And are you really talking to them and listening empathetically? Because that was another good takeaway for me today was that uh, sales needs to be empathetic. You really do need to listen. Lisa said it, God gave you two ears and one mouth, and we should all take that as a guide to how much we need to listen in our everyday lives, but definitely if you are out there selling your product or your services. So again, thank you, Lisa, for sharing all that good stuff. And 
listeners, please stop right now. Stop what you're doing. If you're in the car, write a note to yourself, do a voice message, and go back and really think through your sales processes and add back in that empathetic step right there. Next up, guys, I don't want you to miss a moment of these amazing nuggets of wisdom. So if you would, please go to our uh, your favorite uh, application that you listen to all of our podcasts. And will you subscribe for us? Because um, you will get a notification that tells you each time we upload a new episode. And I don't want you to miss any of the goodness. We've got some fantastic ones coming your way. And if you would like to access today's show notes, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. Again, that's onenextsteppodcast.com. You'll get access to the notes and we're gonna make sure that you keep moving forward. So as always, thank you for joining me and us. We hope today's episode has encouraged you to have more fun at work, infuse fun into your company culture, and definitely add some empathy and better listening skills to your sales processes. All right, and until next time, Lead wisely and lead well. Start by making today count. Guys, you don't want to miss next week's episode when we'll be joined by Lydia Fennett, the Global Managing Director and Lead Benefit Auctioneer at Christie's Auction House. We'll be talking about finding your voice, owning your power, and the art of persuasion. Here's a peek into what you'll hear. Every time you go in for a negotiation, if they're rejecting the price you're giving them, they're rejecting the business, they're not rejecting you. Even if it is a service you are selling, it is the business they are rejecting, not you. And I think that that keeps people from asking. I think that's what gets people tongue-tied. I mean, we've all seen it firsthand. So that I think is really, that's where people fall short time and time again. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.